This is Derek Moneyberg. Today I'm sitting down with Derek Brunson. Derek's got a fight coming up on uh, February 12th, yeah, in Houston. Absolutely. He's in the UFC. You ranked high. You're like number four right now. Number four right now. Where you Where are you about to be? You. I'm about to be number three, so number one. So we got this fight right here in front of me. Take care of this fight. Then I'm in a title fight. That's what's up. Yeah. Man, we we first ran into each other at Madison Square Garden, and uh, I see this uh, this old blonde hair thing. Help Help me understand the blonde hair, the the blonde Brunson. Uh, uh, routines. Your Instagram's hilarious. I got follow. Where do they follow you on Instagram? All right, Derek Brunson. Also TikTok. I've been really big on getting on my TikTok right now. So yeah, the blonde Brunson is just the aura. You know, we undefeated. Every since we went blonde, we just destroying everybody. <laughs> you got blonde hair. Can't be beat. Can't be beat. You gonna try it out or what? No, I'm good. I'm, I, 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 this has been working for me. So my hair communicates with the you stock market, and I feel like fucking Samson or some shit. Like if I cut it, I might get poor. So no, I'm just, no. I'm just keeping it. If you dye it blonde, then you might take over the stock market. I don't know, man. If something working, I just go with it. I'm just telling you. All right. All right. All right. I'm gonna try it out, man. Blonde Brunson. I got to keep it. Blonde Derek. We both need Derek. So yeah, yeah. I don't know. This, we we, we got to see about this. I don't know that I'm gonna dye my hair blonde, but I, I got to keep the. Now we're now we're getting more uh, correlations and alignment that like named Derek got blonde hair can't be beat. I'm just telling you, man. You mm. see, look at um, Oliveira. He went blind. Yeah. Won the belt, you know. Um, he agreed, you know. We talked after the fight. He agreed, yeah. you know. That he sent me a message. Yeah, it's, it's the blonde hair, man. So I'm telling you, if you really want to take over this industry, what you're doing, I know you got a good hold on it, but like, take over, you know, Wall Street, all that. Go I've been blind. training with some UFC guys. I've been training with um, uh, Bilal Muhammad was over recently. Uh, Tito's coming over the week before your fight. And uh, Jake Shields trains with me all the time. Jake's my, my primary MMA coach. So is it going to make me a better fighter, too? Paulie Malinaggi helping me with boxing. Is it going to make me a better fighter, too? Absolutely, man. It seems like you got the right coaches in there. Yeah. But the last thing you need is to go blind. <laughs> and then it's all going to come together. Undefeated, all right. man. All right. That's what's, uh, make a note. Make a note. We got to see. There might be too many, uh, too many correlations <laughs> here to be ignored. Um, Man, what are you, uh, you you're training your ass off for your fight right now, and you know this uh, is what's required for your industry. But um, the people that, that I care about in the audience, um, sometimes there's confusion about social media with me. That people think I'm like a motivational coach, and I'm not a motivational coach. If I had to motivate some fucking bitch ass loser that don't care about his own life, that's not already motivated, like I don't want to talk to somebody like that. So, but the people that I do talk to is like the, you know, the 10% of the audience that they're they're thinking about, you know, man. I know I'm, I'm a smart person. I got good work ethic. Mm -hmm. I did some shit already in my life that, you know, I, I know how to learn. I've already been successful at something. I think I could do even better. They, they know that they're, they're smart. They're already motivated. They want to be somebody. They're doing good. But somewhere in their heart, they know, man, I could do a lot better. And those are the people that I talk to. So, like, what's the work ethic like in, in your industry to, to be the guy you are, to be a, you know, I mean, most guys, most guys couldn't fight at amateur level, you know? Right. A normal dude on the street is, you know, it's hopeless. Um, but to be, you know, top five, you know, fighting some of the toughest dudes in the world in your, your weight class, um, what's the work ethic that has to go behind that to, to make that come together? Man, it's just me trying to put it in words is pretty crazy, you know, but it takes a whole lot. You know, it takes years and years of preparation, um, years and years of focus, years and years of I don't feel like going to the gym, but I got to get myself up and go to the gym. Like, I don't feel like doing this workout, but I got to actually do this workout. So, like, you have to find the motivation every single day. Um, you have to be locked in every single day to stay at this level. You know, I've been top 10, top five in the world for the last 10 years. And 
you know, I don't know if anybody's ever done that who's came into UFC and been top 10 in the UFC for 10 years. It takes a lot of attention to details and you have to be motivated. And like you said, you can't have somebody else motivate you every single day. You have to be self-motivated. If you're not self-motivated, it's not going to work. You know, there's a lot of times, um, you know, I haven't taken a day off in the last 10 years. There's a lot of times that I wake up and I, I set a goal. I'm working on my goal. My goal might be, it might be a three-year goal, you know, that I got to do this, this, and that in my business. And if I'm going to accomplish this goal in the next three years, then what's the thing that has to happen before that? And what's the thing that has to happen before that? And, you know, sometimes I wake up frequently. At least once a week, I wake up and be like, man, I don't feel like it. And then a moment later, I remind myself, but I'm also not a bitch. Yeah, yeah. And I think, oh, the, the success gods, they don't give a shit what I feel like today. Right. Like somebody out there, one of my you know, would-be competitors, he feels like it. He's going to get up and go do something today. Yeah. And in my head, I'm just like, I laugh at myself. This is like an internal joke with myself that it gives me that little motivation. When, it, when I don't feel motivated, you still got to be disciplined to go do the thing you're supposed to do when you're supposed to do it, whether you feel like it or not. And I, I would argue, I'm curious your opinion, I would argue that the, the most important time to go do tough things is when you least feel like it. A friend of mine, Brandon Carter, shout out to Brandon Carter, a friend of mine, Brandon, he says that the most, he's a big fitness guy, like he's a mm -hmm. big, big guy. Brandon says the most important time to go to the gym is when you don't want to go to the fucking gym. And he, he explained to me very scientifically that uh, he's, uh, that if you, if you go to the gym when you don't want to, you're like building your neural pathways to be like tougher and stronger and do the right thing. And he explained also very scientifically that when you lay in bed like a bitch and you don't go do the thing that you're supposed to do, he says then you're building bitch-ass neural pathways and it's gonna be easier <laughs> for you to be a bitch in the future and have more loser-type outcomes. What, what, is, what is your experience in this area? Yeah, 100%. You know, uh, like you said, your competition, your competitors, they don't care what's going on in your life that you wasn't able to be at your 100%. Like, you know, if, I, if I'm competing, they wouldn't care if a grandparent or a loved one died. They're still going to go out there and try to put it on you. So you have to find that motivation to stay motivated and get things done. And that, that's the perfect example is the days you don't feel like doing something or the days you don't feel like going to the gym, then most people or the small percentage who aren't successful are going to take those days off. So that's when you build something that everybody else isn't building by actually getting up, being accountable, doing what you're supposed to be doing because everybody else isn't. And that's what's going to make you better than the, you know, 90% who decide to take that day off or just not be engaged. You know, Mike Chandler is a friend of mine, and I imagine you know him. That you guys have the same coach or at least one of the same coaches. Right. And, uh, yeah, I've been to Mike's home. Mike's been to my home. It's like my buddy. And... You know, he's telling me he's working out like 13 times a week to go to a fight. So he's training twice a day, uh, six days a week, and then once a day on Sunday. And um, he just talked about it just very matter-of-factly like that's normal. He didn't, he didn't say like it was tough or right. oh, oh, it's so hard. He's like, that's what's required to be yeah. competitive at that level. Is your, your schedule something like that? Yeah, I, my schedule is pretty much the same. I would say Sunday is my rest day. I don't do anything on Sunday, but twice a day, every single day. And then on Saturday, I'll do one workout. But yeah, that's like bare minimum, you know? Um, that's what is expected of you to fight at that level. That's why Mike Chandler has been one of the best fighters in the world for the last 10 years, you know, since he came in the game because he has that attention and details. Whereas I guarantee the opponents that he's facing, they're not being as consistent. They might 10, 10 this week, 12 next week, 13 the next week, nine the next week. You know what I mean? They're not staying consistent. They might, they might, Overwork Mike one week, but what about the weeks when they're not being consistent? They might do six one week, 
14 one week, you know, but you have to find that way to stay consistent, keep a schedule and stick to that routine in order to be successful at the highest level. Kerry Walsh is a, another friend that uh, she's a volleyball player and she's been the most dominant female volleyball player ever. Yeah. She got herself three gold medals. She got herself a, a bronze medal after that. She's a little grumpy about that bronze medal. She, <laughs> she don't like that bronze medal so much. Uh, she got gold, 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 bronze, you know? And um, that's over 12 years, you know, to, for, in her sport, you could only win one medal per Olympics. Right. So she had gold medal four years later, gold medal four years later, gold medal four years later, bronze medal. And she, again, pissy about that bronze. Uh, she's thinking about going back, trying to, trying to hustle up another one, you know, another gold. Now, Carrie said something to me that kind of in passing, but I, I thought it was very important. She says that masters are consistent. And you just touched on that consistency thing that, like, if a person just does something when they feel like it, like, you can't have, you can't have a champion result if you're just doing shit when you feel like it. You've you got to behave like a champion. you got, you got to behave like uh, that you're at the top of your industry before you actually get to be at the top of your industry. And then to do that as consistently as you have... Um, yeah, you have anything to add to that? Carrie won 112 matches in a row. Yeah. Which, that sounds like a typo, but she won 112 matches in a row against the other top competitors in her field. That's a hell of a... So when she says consistency is important, I really took that to heart. Yeah, no, I, funny, I used to watch Carrie and Misty Mays, I believe, was her partner. I used to watch them in the volleyball in the Olympics. Um, yeah, they used to kill it. And I think I remember they lost, they lost to the Brazilian team, maybe. I think that, so it's funny though, like high level athletes, they're, they don't remember all the success. They remember the one time they didn't. Like I, I guarantee the bronze medal bugs her more than like she thinks about the gold medals, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Where in all reality, I'm sure whenever she sit back and done with the sport of volleyball, she can appreciate, she probably care more about the the gold medals than the bronze, but she's so competitive and right in the moment is that that's how athletes think, you know, it's like, we don't care about the victories. We think about the times when we didn't win and those times that we didn't win drive us to do better, you know, in the future and, and, and succeed more. Yeah. Yeah, the, the, uh, <laughs> the people that are on top of something, um, you know, you have to have that self-criticism. I'm that way in business, you know? If there's if something, look, if there's something I don't know about, you can't know everything about business. Like, you know, Warren Buffett, when he was 86, he's 91 right now. When Warren Buffett was 86, he said, um, he thinks he understands about 2% of what there is to know about business. <laughs> Warren Buffett has a similar IQ as me. I have a great IQ, he has a great IQ. Warren Buffett had a great work ethic. I got great work ethic. But Warren Buffett's 50 years older than me. You know, at that time, right. Warren's 50 years older than me and, you know, and has access to anyone in the world that he'd like to talk to. Right. If Warren texted you, would you get back to him today? Absolutely. Probably Warren Buffett, you know. It's Warren Buffett. Yeah. So <laughs> if you've got 50 years extra experience and you, got, you know, have access to anybody in the world that you'd want to talk to, um, man, if he thinks he understands 2% about business, like, it'd be arrogant for me to think I understood 1% at that time, you know? Right. I don't, th I don't think that's true. I think Warren knows a lot. Yeah. Um, I know a lot, but, you know, I went to the number one business school in the country out of 416. I went to the best one. But anyway, I, I look at that, like, you know, things like, th things that um, you, you don't get to be Warren Buffett or you don't even get to do as well as I'm doing it in finance if you're not having some of the self-criticism yourself. There's a lot of things can go good in the day, and I expect that. Um, I focus on, you know, every day I think, well, a couple things are going to go good and I'm going to have to eat some shit. And um, I just expect that. When I wake up, I'm in a good mood. I'm just like, all right, what's, 
what's the worst thing I got to do today? Yeah, like, yeah. Let me do that first, you know? Right, right. Let me try to deal with the toughest things first. And I can, you know, continue to be in a good mood for the rest of the day. Um, you must have some version of that in your life that, uh, you know, a lot of people try to avoid pain or avoid those frustrations, and I think the frustrations just stack up. You know, if you if you're not gonna tackle that shit head on or take care of the have some self criticism, take care of the weakest parts and whatever it is you're trying to accomplish, it's, it's hard to accomplish something. But what what does that look like in your life when you you wake up and like, and I got to do a couple tough things today? Like, are you a procrastinator about that or are you just going for it? Yeah, you know me. It's funny, my college coach. Uh, wrestling coach was so big on day planners. The first day we got to college, everybody got presented with a day planner and it was like for the whole year. And so he was really big on like planning your day, working your plan. And if you didn't have a plan and you didn't know what you was directed towards, because often you might get busy in a day and you might forget what you have to do. So having a day planner keep you focused. So that's one of my things. That's That's how I stay like on track. You know, anything I have to do, whenever I think about it, I write it down. So that helps me work my plans and get to what I need to get to. And yeah, you know, um, whenever I have something tough, I'm like, you know, let's go. We got a tough workout coming. Let's address it. Let's get ready. Let's get up for that workout. Let's do the best we can in that workout. Take a little break, get ready for the next one. And then, you know, when it's over, then I'm chilling, re relaxing, recovering. But um, I always like to stay focused and scheduled so that I can get things done because I like to do a lot of things at once and, you know, keep things going. How's the the weight cut situation? How do you deal with that? You, maybe you're used to it. When when I think about it, like intermittent fasting, even um, I think to myself, man, that that shit sounds good, and I should try it. But then about four hours go by, <laughs> and you know, by like four hours, four hours and three minutes, I start thinking about like cannibalism. Be like, this, <laughs> this is a danger to society if I don't have a couple hundred calories right now. You know. So I, I think that would be the toughest part for me in fighting. Like, I, I got a great work ethic. I don't give a shit what I feel like. I'll go do hard things. I like to train. Um, don't care if I'm exhausted. I'll push through. But but I also want to eat a fucking big cheeseburger and whatever else I want to eat today. You know. So how, how do you? I mean, obviously, part it's part of your profession. It's part yeah. of your career. The like you fighting at 185, right? Yeah, I fight at 185. So, so you're walking around at like 210 or something normal or about 205, about 20 pounds. So yeah, nothing yeah. too crazy. So what's what's that? Uh, I mean, maybe some people have a tougher time at it than you do. Maybe you just you naturally okay. But um, what's that like for you know? Did it change your moods? Did it change your energy when you got to you know lose twenty pounds to go get on that scale? Oh yeah, I'm, when I get close to about twelve pounds, I start getting real grumpy. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. You know, it takes a lot of discipline, a lot of dieting, a lot of focus. Um, I like to play video games. So whenever I'm cutting weight, you know, getting ready, getting up 20, 25 pounds, getting ready for weigh-ins and stuff like that, I like to play video games, keep my mind engaged. Um, I might bring some business stuff from home, like working on my gym stuff. Um, that's a good time for me to work on that type of stuff. So I'm not thinking about food, thinking about stuff, and just letting time fly by. Play some more video games, go to sleep, and you know, then we have a day before weigh-ins. But yeah, that's that's pretty much how I cut the weight and, and get some workouts in between, obviously, to, to get the weight off also. So you, you, part of your routine is you don't let yourself put on a whole lot of weight. You know, between between fights, you're not letting yourself put on a whole lot of extra weight. Yeah, I don't get too crazy. Yeah, I know I know guys that I used to train with at Fort 185, they'll get to like 230, um, 225, you know, on the regular, and then they'll cut down to 185, you know. But I figure, you know, don't make it super hard on myself. Keep it, you know, disciplined. Like I might have cookies when I'm not training for a fight. 
you know, once a week or once every two weeks. You know, I might I love chips, you know, so I eat some Doritos. I kill I eat a whole bag at one time. But uh as far as like all those sweets and stuff like that, I try to keep it at a minimum, you know, maybe once a week, once every two weeks. Just not crazy binge eating, so it's not that much harder on me whenever I'm trying to make that weight cut. Gotcha, gotcha, that makes sense. So when you when you walk in the ring, you know, these weigh-ins are a day and a half before, the ceremonial weigh-ins the day before, but real weigh-ins the day before that, yeah? Yeah. I'm mistaken about that. So, wait, so you got, you know, 48 hours from weigh-ins to the time you're getting in the ring? 24. So we so we weigh in on Friday morning and then oh, we fight Saturday. Uh, and then I, I so, thought sometimes ceremonial weigh-ins are on Thursday. It's Friday morning and then they do like the TV ceremony later. Right. Like, yeah. It looks right. Pretty on TV. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Got yeah. It. We do it in the morning about nine. It, what nine to eleven or like seven to nine or something like that. And then we do this. We hydrate a little bit and do the ceremonials in the evening about. Four, right. So thirty four, five. thirty hours later, depending on East Coast right. West Coast or whatever. Right, thirty right. hours later, you're getting in the ring. How much weight's a normal guy put back on? If you if you weigh in at 185, what's the fella walking in the ring at Man, 30 hours later? Man, guys, I've heard guys get like 30, 35, you know? Yeah. I would get to like, you know, 208, 210, you know, no problem. So, yeah. yeah. It, it's funny, though. That was, that was something that I had to learn and really be really structured on also is hydration, you know, because you don't want to cut down to 185 and you're walking around 205. Then when it's time to fight, you're about 190 because then that means you're dehydrated or you're gonna get dehydrated in a fight. You wanna make sure that your body is absorbing everything, you're putting all the fluids back in your body, food in your body because food is fuel. So you need energy for those late rounds. If you're fighting a five rounder, you definitely need fuel in your body. So you definitely, it's a science to that as far as getting your, your fluids back, your food back and having the energy to fight, you know, as many rounds as you, want, as you have, three or five, and go hard in those rounds. What's some of your early life like, man? You're doing, uh, you had some phenomenal results. You literally beat up some of the toughest dudes in the world, but literally. And, you know, we, I make that point to them, like, you know, somebody, you know, they're, they're engaged in their life or they're listening to this, they're fucking, you know, working out at the gym. Somebody's on a treadmill listening to this. Somebody's, uh, who knows what some guys might be doing? Some weirdos doing something. <laughs> some weirdos doing something bizarre. We don't want to talk about. Well, he's listening to this, but I, but I want to make that point in his head that like, you know, you literally beat up some of the toughest dudes in the world in your weight class. Like, where's where that? What's your early life like? That you you don't a person doesn't get themselves in that circumstance to develop those skills, have the discipline to do the things that's necessary for you to be the man you are. Um, you know. I've, I've found you might be very different, but you know, a lot of success that happened for me later, early on, it didn't look too pretty. Early on, there's a lot of negative self-talk, a lot of, you know, I didn't have great mentors or role models, mm -hmm. so I had to tell myself, like, hey, dumbass, go do the thing you're, you know, go do what you're supposed to do. Uh, with no hope of results in the near future, I just knew that if I kept doing that for a period of time, things would be better later. Right. What's, what's your early path like that, um, that led you to, to the spot you're at today? Well, so I grew up in a low-income family, you know. Um, everything that I got, I had to pretty much work and figure it out on myself. Like you said, I didn't have a lot of mentors. I didn't have a lot of people that can guide me in the right direction. I was the first guy out of my family to go to college. So it was just a lot of trial and error, figuring, figuring things out, being consistent. Um, it's funny, I wrestled in college. I got a scholarship, but I, don't only, I only wrestled one year in high school. So I wrestled my senior year. And before that, I was doing cheerleading. I tell everybody I was a cheerleader, everybody laughed, but man, being a young kid 
from about seventh grade, just hanging out with girls all the time, man, that was a life, man. We used, to, we used to love that, you know? So that's how I got involved in that. Me and my buddies were doing some flips outside and these girls were like, hey man, you should join our team. We was like, ah, we don't know. So we went, tried out for their team and they, they used us for the tumbling. We was tossing girls in the air, like doing pyramids and stuff like that. So yeah, it, it was a blast, you know? And then my senior year, I was like, you know, I'm gonna do every sport. So I did wrestling, football, track, and I was really good at everything. And I think it was derived off having a strong upper body from like gymnastics and tossing girls up like above my head for all these years. So I came into all these other sports, which were like predicated on having a strong upper body. And I was just dominating everybody. So I was getting scholarships here and there. And it was, like I said, figuring things out, being consistent and really working hard. So for the record, Derek, Derek Brunson's early athleticism, some of your dominance over men in, in football, wrestling, <laughs> et cetera, came from you know using weight women for as a weightlifting device. Absolutely, from would, cheerleading. Yeah. Would you recommend that for other young, ambitious men out there? Absolutely. If you want to hang, if you want to <laughs> hang around girls good. all the time, definitely be a cheerleader, male cheerleader. You know, have some fun, um, build your upper body up, hang around girls, learn how to talk to girls. It's all good. This sounds like a brilliant plan. I don't know why. It's really brilliant. Yeah, I should have been. I'm a pretty good sized guy, and I was <laughs> as a kid. That I could I could lift some girls up and do some of this. So I missed out on an opportunity that I can't go back. You to, missed man. on an opportunity, man. So I try to tell people, you know, early age, man, don't be don't be scared, don't be shy, you man. know. I, I never had the. It never occurred to me that I should have regret that lost opportunity in life. <laughs> I'll go to sleep tonight thinking, fuck. It's too late. <laughs> have to focus on something else. Uh, what What are some obstacles? You know that you, you know, inevitably. You know, fighters have any athlete. You know, especially a fighter. You're going to have some. Uh, you know, you're in an individual sport. You don't get. To, you don't get to blame your team if there's, there's not five people. There's not 13 people or something on the field. But you know, if, if things go well. Um, you know, you can take a chunk of credit for that, you know, plus your, your coaches, mentors, training staff, etc. If things go bad, you probably put a lot more of that pressure on yourself. But let, what, are, what are some psychological uh, difficulties you might have had earlier in life or some, some obstacles or obstructions that came up that you're like, fuck. And then you got to work through that and figure that out. <clears throat> My biggest thing is like you really harp on is just being consistent. So like, I never really had a problem with being consistent. Like just trial and error like I might jump into something and want to be the best at something and I might I wouldn't get the ultimate the the results because I haven't put my time in whatever I was trying to do but just chipping away at it was a way of being successful but I would say early on everything that I tried to do just starting out I wasn't successful in you know but just consistency hard work attention to details I eventually broke through and became the best at what I was trying to do and it's almost like Anything that I've ever done, I always got good at. And I, was, I wasn't initially, you know, so that was one of the things is that most people would give up and quit at that point, whereas I was resilient. You know, I might come in. I think the prime example, when I first started wrestling, I lost maybe like seven matches in a row. But I wasn't doing bad. I just, I was new to it. Like all these guys have been wrestling since they were five years old and stuff like that. And then I just kept chipping away, kept chipping away, kept practicing, kept showing up. And then I went and won 50 in a row, you know? So it was one of those things, just overcoming adversity, kind of sticking to the script, um, not looking for instant gratification and just keep chipping away at things. What would you say, uh, the instant gratification really caught, I mean, 50 in a row caught my attention there too. But like, there's a lot of people on the internet that they, you know, they, they, they think they set a goal for themselves. Like, yeah, man, I really want to do this, right? And then they, they work hard for about three hours. <laughs> and then if they ain't got a result yet, they're like, 
maybe it's not for me. And yeah, I have I have thought like you that I'm just like, well, you know, if I want to have, uh, if you want to attain any substantial goal, you know, you, you don't. Warren Buffett didn't become a, you know, you know, right now about 115 billion dollar net worth. Well, nobody knew who the hell Warren Buffett was until he was 60. Yeah. You know, he wasn't rich, rich until he was 60. That he started to get uh, public attention about that. So you know, any major goal, that old saying like Rome wasn't built in a day, it takes time to, to, to do something significant. And I always just thought about that as a competitive advantage. Like I know, uh, you know, it, my, psychologically and also my body type, I'm not a sprinter, but I got great endurance. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't, I don't give a shit what happens today. I really don't. I couldn't care what less, what couldn't care less what happens in the stock market today. Couldn't care less what, if, I, if I have a good day or a bad day. It ain't gonna change my mood for the week. It ain't gonna change my mood much today, you know? I'm just like, all right, that's life, you know? What's the, what's the best way for me to proceed to have the best outcomes long-term? So my brain is very focused on, you know, long-term outcomes, you know, primarily has been around finance, and I did very well at that. But, um, you know, for I, I see these people that write me the craziest shit, like on Instagram, or yeah, yeah, yeah. they say like, you know. Talking trash. I mean, they're two different versions. We should laugh about both, but. Um, Two different versions. So the version that I was talking about is the is a version of like you know you know how do I get rich quick? How, how do I make two thousand dollars? You know, a guy that ain't done nothing in his life. So how do I get two thousand dollars today? Yeah, yeah. And I'm like, well, you know, you didn't do the work ahead of time. You know, if you if you care about making a couple thousand dollars a day, like you know, I could teach an industrious person to do that, but it's going to take time. Right. It's going to take you a few years to build the foundations and infrastructure to do that consistently. You know, right. Versus. Um, you know, there, there's all this stuff on the on social media that that, that really supports a you know a false idea in people's heads that you're going to have great success overnight, or you're going to buy some rando whatever whatever the the new random trendy bullshit is, and you're going to be a millionaire next week. You know, and yeah. That, I, I think um, I'm curious your opinion, but my my take on it is like when I want to learn something new, um, I just I want to learn the fundamentals. I want to learn the basics. When I go train with Jake, I go train with Paulie. They're they're over all the time. They're over every four weeks. Every four weeks, we spend three days together. We we'll work out four times together. Three training sessions, seven eight hours, in uh, in those two couple days. And I never try to rush the process. I just right, right. I want to learn like you know if I if I if Paulie wants me to work on you know fucking you know one one two one one two one one two if that's all we do for fucking for three days then all right that's you know and I never rush the process and they always made comments about that. Your boy Chandler, too, made comments like that to me that, like, we worked on a single leg takedown more than 100 times. Yeah, you know? yeah. And then we worked on double legs maybe another 50, 60 times yeah, as yeah. a derivative of the, you know, afterwards. But, like, I didn't ask him to, sh you know, the some fancy backflip crazy right. shit. I'm just like, all right, what's, what's the fundamental thing I need to understand before, you know, later on I can do right. some fancy cool shit, you know? So, like, so I'm long-winded. But let me let me put that in a brief uh, question. It's like I think that you I think that you have to have a mastery of the fundamentals before you're going to be able to consistently do the the new trendy cool shit. You know, if you have that if you have that mastery of fundamentals, then you can add your personality or some flair and do something different. Uh, I think it's a mistake for a lot of people that they they see the you know the cool fancy thing and they want to go straight to that. And I think that they're basically prohibiting themselves from actually getting results over time if, they, if you don't have that core foundation first. What's your take on this? Oh, yeah, for sure. You know, I, I think a funny example, which a lot of people do, is like, let's say sports gambling. That's pretty big, you know. So you might come in, and let's say you get lucky, beginner's luck. You come in, boom, you hit it. So you made a lot of money. 
then you come and try to do the exact same thing and you slowly lose all the money you made then more because you haven't laid a good foundation and you got lucky early, but you really didn't have a good system. You know, I think, yeah, establishing a good system, a good way you do things is the most important thing. If you don't have a good system, it's not going to last long term. Like you might get that beginner's luck or you might get lucky initially. But yeah, you, you definitely have to lay a foundation and you have to learn the basics from what you're trying to do in order to create, you know, long term success. Yo, Derek, I sat with your coach the other day and uh, Henry Hoof, shout out to Henry Hoof. I know you're watching right now. <laughs> and I sat with Henry the other day. He had fantastic things to say about you. And you know, Henry's a you know amazing coach. He's been uh, he's trained a lot of champions. He's been around. You know, he's a high performing man. One of the best coaches in the industry, if not the best, Henry. And um, you know, you you made a comment earlier that you've been in the you know like a top ten ranked guy for like a decade. That that shit don't happen accidentally. Like, what are what are some of the things that you learned from from Henry or other coaches or things that you had to be introspective and dig deep with yourself to, to perform at a high level for such a period of time. Yeah, Henry is one of those coaches who are good at bringing out the best in the athlete. Like he's gonna be real with you, he's gonna be upfront with you, he's gonna say, hey, if you come in out of shape, if you go in and fight out of shape, you're gonna get your ass kicked, you know? And do you wanna hear that? Most people don't wanna hear that. They might be like, ah, oh, who's this guy, you know? But me, I wanna hear that type of stuff because that's what I'm coming to him for. I'm coming to him for, coaching from guidance for leadership so when somebody tells me that that's in my head like okay well I need to step my game up because what he's seen it he's been at the highest level and what he's saying is hey be at your be a, prepare at the top of your game show up be accountable if not X can happen you know what I mean so yeah you definitely need that detail to attention and some people find it hard to get up and do things on a daily basis, but you have to understand that foundation that you're building, you can't be looking for instant gratification. You have to understand every day counts for what you're trying to ultimately achieve. So you have to say, hey, I don't feel like working out today. I don't feel at like my best. I don't feel as motivated, but I gotta put some effort in. I gotta put the best effort possible for me at that current day in order to achieve what I'm trying to achieve ultimately. What's your current goal? What's, what do you have in your head that you wake up and when you don't feel like it, you be like, yeah, but I got to go do this. This is the outcome I got in mind. What, what is your current goal in your career? What do you want to do? My current goal in my career is to get that title fight. You know, I've been in the top five for a long time, top 10 for a decade, but I haven't got that title shot, you know? So every day when I, you know, I'm tired, I'm lacking motivation, I'm like, hey, I need to get that title shot, you know, and I'm one fight away from that. So that's my motivation to keep chipping away and, you know, get my workouts in and get what I need to get done, done. So what was your biggest way, you know, coming from a childhood where you weren't, weren't so successful or with the golden spoon to keep going or to be successful? I mean, the alternatives weren't very good, man. You know, <laughs> so you're gonna, uh, you know, my dad was in prison uh, my uncle was in prison. That was the only other, like, you know, what you could call a male role model. I only had one uncle. And, um, you know, my mom wasn't the best person, you know, wasn't, wasn't the best mother. And uh, I wish she would have behaved a bit different in my childhood, you know. So I was, like, in a spot about 10 years old where I was in, in charge of the household, more or less. So I had to mm -hmm. just be honest with myself, be like, well, you know, your, your mom's kind of a child that she ain't, she having a hard time taking care of herself and she ain't gonna be able to take care of me, you know, the way some mothers would, you know? And dad's not there and, you know, you, uh, as a child, you, you know, you might pray to God for a little while 
and hope for a different outcome. And, but God wasn't answering my prayer and uh, nobody else was either. So I was like, well, um, what can I do to affect the circumstances? What can I do to make things better? And uh, I didn't like that at the time, you know, like you, you don't, I didn't, I didn't want that kind of pressure on me as like a child, but I think in long term, it, it really made my life, you know, that um, I don't, I don't wake up and tell myself no excuses. I don't tell, I don't want any bullshit in my head. I just want to think like, what's reality look like? Like what's, what's the objective truth or facts of whatever circumstance I'm facing? And if I set a goal to do something, um, I mean, you gotta be, you gotta, you'll get this, it's like you, you gotta be the same type of person. Like, you know, you gotta set goals that are uh, difficult, but you know, somewhat attainable. You might have a big, big goal, but then there's a series of goals that you gotta, what's your goal for today? What's your goal for this week, for this month and so on, you know? And, um, you know, I, I've just been good at looking at reality and being like, all right, if I wanna have, if I wanna be here in the future, you know, what's it look like a step before that and a step before that? And if you can kind of play that backwards and forwards in your head and be like, does that make sense? Do these things link up that this would lead to this, to lead to this, to lead to this, to lead to this, to some of my bigger goals? So, um, you know, I, I didn't I didn't want to play video games. Um, if that works for you, no problem. But, you know, I was done playing video games by the time I was like 10, 11. Mm -hmm. And I just like, you know, for me, I was like, all right, let me go. Uh, I got a paper route when I was 10. By the time I was 11, I had four paper routes. You know, and by, when I was 10, I did the paper route. When I was 11, I had other people do the paper routes and I just had a, you know, a management fee, you know? And that was my first, if you want to call that a business or a managerial right. experience. And, and I was around a lot of rough kids, so I can't even talk about on camera some of the things that I did for my teenage years. You know? <laughs> <laughs> I got, we're not gonna talk about that today, but I was around a lot of rough people and um, you know, my six friends from childhood, um, you know, as adults, uh, three of them are dead now. And uh, one of them is doing 30 years. I uh, did 10 years before that. One of them is doing life in federal prison. And, um, you know, the sixth one, he got himself crippled up. It's his fault. He's high and drunk and operating heavy equipment, mm. and, you know, big machines. And he got himself crippled up for the rest of his life. Mm. And um, so, you know, I, if I continued to engage in those behaviors, if I was around those people and doing those things, it'd be, foolish of me to expect a different outcome, you know? Right. So um, I just had to be honest with myself. I was like, you know, as a high school dropout, um, yeah, man, you know, I, I just kept, you know, some of those type of kind of harsh or gritty things, you know, when I, when I feel like what a lot of people would think is a bad day, like I don't really have bad days anymore, you know? Like things are good now. And, yeah. But, but I do reflect back on that, I'd be like, I, I don't get worked up. I think a great advantage that, you know, like a man like you or other people in your industry have in business is like, you know, when, um, think about in fighting when like somebody's getting panicked or they, they're losing control of their senses, they, they got that, that fear or panic in their head, you can't make a good decision like that. And, uh, you know, for you to, to do as well as you have, then, you know, no doubt you must be pretty calm, you, you know, have a pretty clear mind or a calmness sure. about you that you're getting choked a little bit, you know, like, oh, what do I do? <laughs> you like, no, I've been here before. You right, know? right. I've been here before a thousand times and if I could just keep a little bit of air you know, then I'm not gonna pass out. And then I can develop a new strategy to work from there, you know? Right. So when I'm in a tough situation, psychologically, like, I don't, it's not even, it, I, don't, I don't feel stress in, in business the way a lot of other people do that might've had a cushier life or might not have had some of the experiences that I did. I, I think that helps a lot. And uh, I got another question for yeah. you. Being that what you've known, what you know now and the things that you've been through in life, would you do it differently? Like, would you rather, mm -hmm been born rich or would you say hey I like my experience and 
what I've worked for, so I wouldn't have it any other way than the way that I've made myself. Yeah, yeah. I got I got to talk about like three different groups of people to really answer that clear. And like the most of the people that I see that are doing really well in the world, um, there's a stereotype that a lot of them came from a wealthy family or whatnot, and it's only about thirteen percent of millionaires that inherited that money or that they had that shit given to them. Mm -hmm which means about seven out of eight, about 87% of millionaires, they, they went and got that shit themselves, you know? They went and earned that themselves. And if you think about that, then, you know, there's, I don't know, man, I know some people that are pretty wealthy that uh, they're not nearly as happy as you and I would be. And that's not to say that money don't buy you happy. If you don't, if you don't think that money buys you happiness, you don't know where to shop, motherfucker. <laughs> if you don't think money, you know, having money solves a lot of problems that right. not having money creates. Right, right. So uh, I don't know a lot of broke people that are really living their dream, man. I, you know. Yeah, yeah. So I just think that's like a you know, it, it, if you're a man or an industrious <laughs> woman, like you you're, you're responsible to go create some some value in the world go do something for the world that people value and appreciate and they want to interact with you and they're happy to pay you for a service or you know something that you do um so i, I think it's just that's what a responsible person does you should have uh, uh an abundance of you know you should be able to so some people got different goals i don't want to go off topic i want to go right back to this but some people got different goals man like not everybody is trying to be a champion fighter you yeah, know? yeah 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 not everybody i got it in my head i'm supposed to have a few hundred million dollars and i'm a little over 50 right now a little over 50 million and you know i got to go multiply that like i got to go do that and it ain't i don't think maybe i should or well, i mean i think maybe i'll get a billion or two maybe i will i don't know that's not really my goal but God damn it, I'm gonna get 300 million. Okay. I did all the right things. I got the right trajectory. I did the things. Other people, and back to your question, other people is like, if you don't set a goal, you can't attain it. So the, the people that I see in there, there's either the subset of people that they were born into a situation where from birth it was expected, you know, you're supposed to go to the right universities, you're supposed to do certain things, you're supposed to go to the extracurricular thing, and their parents had that grooming. And some of those people do really well. And some of those people fall off and they're depressed and miserable. They turn into drug addict losers and you know, squander wealth in preposterous ways and it's even sad. There's another subset of people that grew up in a rougher circumstance, so second group. There's a group that come in a rougher circumstance and um, you know, most of those people ain't gonna do shit is the truth. And there's a few, there's a few. You know guys like this that you train with. You know, I'm one of these people that I disliked my childhood circumstances enough that like, I'd be a man, I don't know what I'm going to do, but I'm going to do whatever it takes to do better. I'm not living Absolutely. my life this way. Yeah. And you know what? I think that should be like, a lot of people think that people grow up a certain way and they should like be how they grew up. But I, everybody know the difference between right and wrong at some point in their life. And they know the difference between struggling and not struggling. And if you struggle, you should be like, well, how do I do exactly what they did. I don't want to do exactly what they did so I don't have to struggle. So like it, w it should be like human nature to like work hard if you seem like you grew up in a struggle or you grew up in poverty. Like that comes natural to me but I guess it, it doesn't come natural to everybody to have the work ethics and to want to do better. I, I traveled to about 66 countries and I grew up in American poverty. And, and I know the difference of, you know, yeah, there, yeah. There, there's some people out there that there's some countries that um, things are rough and it's hard to change your circumstances right right if you grew up in you know in america if you grew up in you know canada western europe scandinavia you, you know 
I, if you grew up on the lower end of the economic system there, it's still your responsibility to do better. Right. And you're surrounded with opportunity if you just, you know, wake apply up yourself. your brain and go take, yeah, apply yourself. If you, if you let your brain wake up and go take action, find a good mentor, find a good coach. Like, that's, that's how you, you know, I had to go find good teachers. I didn't, I didn't have good mentors around me, so I spent a lot of my early life trying to earn, you know, the, the respect or do the things necessary, that, like, to, to have good teachers that would invest in me, to have good mentors, trainers, coaches to invest in me. And, like, um, man, I, I, didn't, I didn't, like, invent geometry. I didn't invent statistics. I, just, I learned that from somebody else who, you know, who's passed down that lineage of knowledge. I didn't invent economics, but I went to University of Chicago, which was the number one economic school in the world, and I know a lot about economics now. I know yeah. a lot about finance now. That I didn't, have, you know, bro. Did you invent fighting? No. <laughs> <laughs> you probably got some coaches to help you. Right, right. You probably had some high-level training partners who had some coaches themselves. You know, so like, there's there's people out there that like they think I'm just going to do it by myself, and like I mean, that person is doomed. You know, a person that if if your goals are so small that you could possibly accomplish them by yourself, then you need bigger goals. Yeah. If your goals are so small, you could possibly accomplish them by yourself. You need bigger goals. Mm -hmm. You need bigger goals, man. So um, third group of people, to go back to that, is there's this, this is middle class people. But if you were born in the fucking middle class in America and you chose to stay there, I don't really respect that type of person. It's not somebody that I'm gonna spend my time with. Right, right. You know, if that's, all, if that's, if that's the extent of their ambition, is like, oh, I was born in the middle class, and I'm just gonna do, I'm just gonna fumble around and work 15 hours a week and get paid for 40, but really you work 15 hours a week, you get paid for 40, you get your little, not much money, and you know, mediocre income, and mediocre woman in your life, and some mediocre kids with some snaggle tooth, and you were too lazy to make some money to pay for their braces or something, you know? But, I said, it's not somebody that I'm going to spend my time with. It's right. not somebody I would even accept as a client. I don't want money from somebody like that. Like, I can't help somebody that don't want to help themselves. You know? yeah, yeah. <laughs> so like, imagine somebody wants to train with you and they're going to make a very mediocre effort. Yeah. <laughs> show up for training one day, then don't show up for a week and come back for three days. Like, man, what are you doing, man? Like, you're not going to be successful like this, man. You just wasted your time and my time. You can't spend your time with somebody like that because they're going to make you worse. Yeah, for Is sure. Is that true yeah. or not? No, that's fair enough. Yeah, for sure. So you I, don't know what to teach them, and then you know, you're. This is a representation of what you're teaching, and you know what I mean. Like, yeah, I mean. What, what would your coaches say if you know you you showed up and be like you know, like that? You're gonna show up sporadically. You're gonna be uh, you know maybe bad hygiene on top of it. Maybe maybe putting the pressure on them like you know, hey man, you're the coach. It's your job to make sure I win. You know, put trying try to put the pressure on them instead of having the personal responsibility for your outcome. You know. Like, that, man, that's the biggest thing is like most coaches don't care about wins or losses they care about effort and they know that if you make effort you're going to be more likely to succeed than not you know yeah. what I mean so like accountability is the biggest thing you know showing up is like the biggest thing being accountable is like the, one of the bigger things you know but, but if somebody naturally I've seen people with so much talent talent mm -hmm. and they just half-ass everything and they never reach potential like it's like yeah. people i see them and i laugh you know um I'm like man this guy has more potential than this guy but this guy is farther along because this guy applies himself you know what i mean so you know, I, I i was fortunate to have a good iq my brain worked good you know and i was very um i was uh, be, because of that you know the uh, my unhappiness with my circumstances i was very motivated and very disciplined when I wasn't motivated that like, no, nah, we got to do better. You got to do better than this, you know? Um, 
I think there's a lot of people that were around me that they were just as talented as me, that they had you know, similar natural talent, or there, there's people that I'd love to have be like, man, I wish I could do that, you know, or I wish I had that. And I, I was never a hater, I was never, you know, I, I, if I define jealousy versus envy, there were people that I was envious of that I'd like to have their circumstance, but my brain immediately be like, well, that's another human too, so what would I have to do to earn that for myself, you know? But I was never looking at somebody like a jealous person and being like, you know, they have something that I don't, so fuck that guy, you know? Yeah, yeah. I, nev I never thought like that. I always knew that like, if I, if I worked harder, if I, if I knew the right things and I did the right things, I could have better outcomes. For I sure. always believed that. Like since I was a kid, I believed that. that um, you know, but I think of a person that, you know, that middle class person in America, if you don't have that thought in your head, when you look at other people and you're like, I hate the rich, or, uh, or somebody look at you and say, you know, oh, he just, you know, just naturally talented. Yeah, so yeah, they, yeah. They, they don't know about those, you know, 12 training sessions <laughs> right, every week. Right, for, the consistency, for 15, 20 years. The, never, the accountability, always showing up, you know? Yeah, they don't know about that part. They, they don't know what it feels. They ain't got cracked in the head really hard in their life, so <laughs> they don't know what that part feels like either. They don't know about that diet part that I would turn to cannibalism long before I would, uh, I would get a, a UFC weight cut in, you know? Right. I'd, it'd be a danger to society. So they, they don't know about that part, you know? But like a person that just look at the things honestly, it'd be like, man, you, you could do a lot better too. What, what passes for a man today, I, I don't want to say anything too controversial, <laughs> but we could just say that. What passes for a man today, yeah, and, yeah. and just a laugh. Is, I mean, you could do a lot more. So a person who is serious, it's like, if you, if you loved yourself enough to invest in yourself, to, to have that discipline, to push yourself through tough times in the short term, oh man, you could do a lot in the long term. You do a lot more than you probably even think you can. So. Um, I, I think that's a message that I try to convey to them consistently. Like, I can't convince somebody to show up for their own success. Right. I can't love somebody's outcomes more than they love it. I can't be more dedicated to their success than they are. But I like to work with people that like they're already doing well. They they know that they're going to have to deal with some obstacles and tough things, and they look forward to it because they know that that those barriers, those obstacles, those frustrations, the reading boring stuff, learning boring stuff, being sleep deprived, doing things that are difficult, that is the competitive advantage that's gonna help you separate yourself. You know, going to the gym 12, 13 times a week, that is the, the behavior that's gonna separate like the top performers from people that are, they're not even in the game, they're not right. performing at all, you know? Right, fair enough. Derek, you got, you got a fight coming up. You know, how are you feeling about that? How are you thinking about that opportunity? Feeling real good, you know. I put in the time, I invested, you know, I've been out in South Florida away from the family, pretty much sacrificing and investing into the fight. You know, there's no rewards in life without sacrifices. So, yeah, this is a, the fight that's gonna get me the title shot. You know, going here, handle my business here, and then next, you know, summertime, I'm in a title fight. You, you got a gym you own as well, you, you own and operate a gym. What's, uh, tell them about your gym a little bit. Is, is this a, a fighter's only gym or something that's available to the public that a serious person could show up there? Yeah, a uh, gym in Wilmington, North Carolina, Brunson's MMA and Fitness. And it's for everybody, you know, it's for soccer dads, somebody who want to be a fighter, somebody who like, maybe I should be a fighter. You know, we have a little bit for everybody. Everybody trains with each other and it doesn't slow anybody down. Say if you got a pro fighter, um, and you have another pro fighter and you have a soccer dad, you can all be in the same class. The pro fighters work with each other, the soccer dads work with each other, you know? So it's all about learning, gaining skills, gaining confidence. We have kids program, cardio kickboxing, so people looking to get in shape. We have a little something for everybody. So we're like a family gym where people could come and get good and then if people wanna come get in shape or just have good vibes and learn some self-defense. Where they find you on social media? Social media, follow me at, um, on Instagram at Derek Brunson, Facebook Derek Brunson, and TikTok Derek Brunson.
Derek, looks up my ass every top performer that I've been around. Like, could you do the things you've done? Could you be in the spot that you were, you know, one fight away from a title fight? Could you do that if you didn't have coaches, mentors, trainers? Could you done that by yourself? No, I'm, <laughs> it's funny. I try to do things by myself and I was good because I worked hard, but I never was over the top. I never put myself in a position to be at the top. So when I invested in myself, started spending some, spending more money to make more money, it was better for me. So I invested in myself, came out, got a good team around me. I spent more money, but ultimately I was ready for those big fights and I made more money. Uh, respect, man. Thanks so much for coming through. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Check out Derek Brunson. The blonde hair is undefeated. Undefeated blonde, blonde hair. You got, you got me thinking about my hairstyle. I'm not allowed to cut it. Oh yeah. It's, it's part of the it's part of the brain. Oh yeah, yeah. But, yeah. Would would blonde make me even more successful? You'll see. Yeah. Thanks, yeah, man. Yeah.